Coming up this week, off screen, we literally see the truth with Mindhorn. Jamie Fox is sleepless. Josh Gad goes looking for a dog's purpose. The art world gets a burden. The Irish peace talks reach the end of a journey. And New York gets a champion in Citizen Jane. All those to come and more off screen. This is this is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Collar. I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, Hi. film news, film reviews, box office top five. Just loads all, of, all the stuff. All, all the, the stuff. films. Yeah. So, where are you going to take us with the film news? Kick us off this week, then. Uh, well, um, apparently we're allowed to now officially talk about the end of Split. Oh, apparently we are. Did, yeah, did we not we do this allowed. last week? Uh, no, this was announced uh, just after we finished the show last week. Oh, okay. I thought we did podcast which, extras. No, this is just what seems to happen. Oh, it I does, believe. yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, spoiler. Spoiler warning right okay, now. spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. But I'm assuming that if you listen to this, you've seen Split. Most, most of our audience, I'd imagine. Has. So, um, the end of Split hints to something else happening and uh, also it's to uh, tying into a previous film of uh-huh. Emma Shaman's. Uh yeah the other day he um, he announced on Twitter that he's got this is M. Night Shyamalan M. Night Shyamalan M. Night Shyamalan yeah. M. Night as we have been calling him for some time uh, he announced a new film called Glass which is going to be coming out January 2019 Effectively going to be a sequel to both Split and uh, film Unbreakable. It's going nice. to tie up both of those films together. The interesting thing about that, I think, is that that has the chance to be a really high-end take on the shared universe idea. Like you could do this could be the yes. Thinking Man's shared universe mm. because it's, it's also a sort of stealth shared universe. It's kind of like what happened with the Conjuring in a weird way. A little bit, yeah. But the Conjuring became the shared universe yeah. without anyone noticing, and mm. and now here we are again. There we are. So yeah. Bruce Willis is obviously returning because he appeared in Split. Yeah, he appears uh, right at the very end. Yeah, Sam, um, Jackson, Sam Jackson is definitely head um, the title because he uh, was is Elijah Glass, is it? Yes. No, no Elijah Price is Mr. Glass. Glass. There yeah. we are. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, of course he is Mr. Glass. So this is finally going to be his return, which is pretty great. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy is going to be back. Okay, that's an interesting addition. So she's yeah. actually a part of the mythology. And I thought she was just sort of the victim of the first movie, but we shall see. Maybe she'll have her own powers or something. Maybe just Hunter Girl, because that, that was cool. that was something they cultivated in the first movie, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I I liked Split, and then the bit at the end, I was just. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think remember when we reviewed it because you hadn't seen it when we reviewed it. I think I remember saying to you that final thirty seconds is more noteworthy than the film than the entire film. Yeah. And, and 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 yet has nothing to do with the film. I think, I, I think James McAvoy is great in it. He really is. He really is. But I, I, I think that this twist, far in that way, kind of like overshadowed his performance, mm. which is a bit of a shame. But um, apparently, he's had this planned for seventeen years. So yeah. we'll just see. And I really, really hope that like this doesn't mean that all of his films are now in a... Because I, I don't want to see the wind from the happening back. <laughs> I was just going to go with that. And I don't want this to actually all be set in the past, like a reverse the village kind of a thing. Uh, true, um, true. Yeah. Who is, who is the dude? Who is the young uh, like male lead in the village? I can't remember now. It's Joaquin. 
Is that Wakeen? It, it was, wasn't Wakeen, it? Yes, yeah. yeah, it was Wakeen. Yeah. So, from one uh, superpowered set of people then to um, another set of power entirely, let's talk about Mindhorn. Yes. Right, which of course, the title refers to a fictional uh, 80s TV cop show starring an actor named Richard Thorncroft who plays, is he a cop on the Isle of Man? Yes. Who has an accident <laughs> and his his left eye is replaced with a cyber... Hang on, it's an ocular ocular deception <laughs> detector. detector. It's, so, it's kind of like the million dollar man, but uh, just for his eye. And Because I know you like to say it. What does this ocular deception detector mean that he can do? He can literally see the truth. There you go. <laughs> and he solves murders. Okay. <laughs> so the uh, the series obviously is cancelled in the 80s. Flash forward to the present day. Richard Thorncroft, as played by Julian Barrett, who is also co-written and... No, he doesn't direct this. He He's not directed it. It's just co-written He's with uh, co-written Simon and produced it. And yeah. Simon Farnaby who's also in Mighty Boosh with him. Yes. Uh, okay, so they've co-written this together. Uh, they also star in it together. And the idea is that a, <laughs> a maniac who calls himself the Kestrel... <laughs> it's, it's funny when you just flash back on it, actually. A maniac who calls himself the Kestrel, played by Russell Tovey, who kidnaps a girl and phones the Isle of Man police and says he will only talk to off- detect- Detective Mindhorn. So the, poli- the Isle of Man police have to bring Thorncroft back to the Isle of Man, where he hasn't been in 30 years, and get him to intercede on their behalf and deal with this, this hostage taker. Uh, we have a clip of the first time he meets the police chief, who's played by David Schofield, who has just one of the greatest scorned faces. You know, that, that, that <laughs> yeah. scorned look ever. Here's a clip. Ah, the head honcho, El Honcherino, the big cheese. You look familiar. Did we golf? No. I actually wanted to talk to you about the press conference. I'm willing to front that. We could co-host, but I'm camera trained, and sometimes in these things police can come across as a bit weird and sweaty looking. Mr Thorncroft, you are aware of the seriousness of the situation. Big time, yes, indeed. We'll hash out the details of that later. Is there a dressing room? This is a phone call. You know how phones work, right? I don't know if you know how acting works. Not really, and I'm not interested. We all have our process. Uh, Sometimes an item of clothing or footwear can define a character. Uh, You have your costume, I have mine. This isn't a costume. This is an officially sanctioned uniform denoting rank and civic responsibility. It's still a kind of costume, though, isn't it? You put it on to play the chief, and then uh, later on you take it off when you go home to your wife. Or maybe you don't. All the world's a stage. So Julian Barrett there as as Mindhorn, as as Thorncroft. Sorry, who obviously was Mindhorn as well. I keep calling him Mindhorn, even though I don't I don't mean to. Mm. Um, so, so first of all, the the eighties set stuff with Mindhorn and the poking fun eighties A team style TV conventions, and there's some Lovejoy stuff in there, and things like that. There's a lot of fun had there. I really enjoyed that yeah, stuff. That, that could be a film in its own right. I think, and I kind of wish it had been. Yeah, in, in, a, in an annoying way. Now you, we both saw this, and you liked it a lot more than I did, I think. Yeah, I didn't absolutely love it, but um, it's it's what I expected, really. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was going to be just a more... I don't know, I thought it was going to be maybe as funny as uh, a film called Bunny and the Bull, which Simon Farnaby is mm. in. I didn't like as much as Bunny and the Bull. I thought that's a really, really great film. I do but, think there's, yeah, a, was, right? there's a void good. for something like this, though, at the moment. Now, there, there is a void for something like this to come along and absolutely own the uh, the sort of missing space of the market entirely. Yeah, I mean, it, it was that Alan Partridge humour, just not as 
successfully executed as Partridge. No, that's but the it thing. But he was very similar. And then Steve Coogan shows up. And then Steve well, Coogan yeah. turns up because a film can only have so much self-awareness before Steve Coogan has to show up. And isn't it amazing how even when he's slumming it, Steve Coogan can still absolutely own a scene? Oh, yeah. And and this is slumming it, suing, day, suing the mail, the mail on Sunday, Steve Coogan. You know, this is <laughs> this is pompous Coogan. And, and still funny, still in trip mode. Um, I need to see the third one of those. When is it out, by the way? I think it's already out. I've not watched it yet. Yeah, I've not finished the second. I've not finished the first one. I still need to get through the second one. When is the third one? <laughs> I, I feel like you're tripping over what you need to do. I'm tripping, <laughs> to... I'm tripping over the trip. That's what yeah. it is. I need to see the new trip. But I see all of the trip, mate, basically. Mm. But uh, no, I just wish this had been more consistently funny. So I don't think it's funny enough to lean on the com- the comedic side of action comedy. And I don't think it's quite as action-filled enough to lean on the com- the action side of, of action comedy. Um, it feels like a sort of awkward in the middle thing. It's not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it feels weaker than it needs to be or weaker than it should be. And the talent's there. I mean, I think uh, Simon Farnaby absolutely steals this. Um, <laughs> really does. I mean, what is he German? I can't remember. Uh, he sounded uh, South African. South African? Yeah. He's, but they, they never actually say. They, never they don't. Say. It's one of those brilliantly, ethnically ambiguous roles. He's terrific. There is a cameo that owns the film entirely. You know who I'm talking about. And there are some gags in there that you, you honestly, you will howl at. The weird thing is, this seems to run the gamut of, of, of laughs from absolutely howling out with laughter. So for instance, his early audition scene. He has an early audition scene, which is so brilliantly, brilliantly offensive in terms of racial humor. You can't help but absolutely howl with laughter. Um, to minor chuckles and then titters. And it never quite picks a consistent tone. It kind of slides up and down on the scale, and you, you wish it would find a more a more consistent through line for the comedy. But as I say, you're never going to regret seeing it. It's not a bad film. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I think a lot of fun is still there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still I would watch it if it was on TV for something. If I was, you know, flicking through the channels, and I come across. I would it. watch it just hear him say the thing about his eye again in both opening <laughs> titles for the show. He can literally see, see the, the truth. truth. <laughs> oh, but, me. Uh, but yeah, that that cameo that owned the film. We're not going to spoil who it is for you, I don't think. But uh, no, that cameo that owned the film. If you're a fan of the Mighty Boost, though, you probably are going to be a lot more inclined to. To, to enjoy this, I think. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's exactly the same kind of humour. Um, it does work a bit for that weird, audience. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's chucklesome, it's faintly odd, it's got you know decent performances in it, and uh, yeah, I, I liked it, I liked it a lot. But uh, and it's got David Schofield being, you know, scowling David Schofield. Really grumpy, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I'm so good at that. But uh, yeah, so that's out Friday. Uh, meanwhile, podcast uh, edition. We've got to talk about the extended podcast edition. Um, there's no reviews in this week's one, so it's going to be all over the case. It's going to give us as much news as you can physically cram into yeah. our luxuriant, expansive podcast. I'm, extra I'm currently holding like thirty pieces of news right now. Is that what each one of those post its like, is? Yes. That that's fair. You you do look like Big Bird with all the yellow on there, but it's uh, not the first time I've been uh, <laughs> likened to Big Bird. That I, I don't even want to get into that. Right. But if you want the what <laughs> weekend that was, <laughs> at the fire festival again. <laughs> yeah, jar rule, jar don't rule, jar don't rule, jar don't rule, and jar don't refund. But uh, <laughs> so if you want the podcast, this should pop along to uh, onscreenfilm.com or go along to Acast, iTunes, Deezer, tune in. Just type in off screen, and uh, it's there. Pick your poison, pick your platform, pick your podcast. And uh, there's a moment of cage in there too. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on-screen radio show. 
And we're back. So, Mr. Alan, where to next? Shall we, shall we begin with uh, a canine reasoning? A canine raisin d'otra. <laughs> yes, is what this film will be forever known as. <laughs> now, yeah. yeah. A dog's purpose. Funnily enough, have you noticed that yeah. Alien uh, Oven a, Cart... A, a, pub's, a pub's rationale. A pub's rationale. Have you noticed that Alien Oven Cart has become a sort of de facto title for Alien Covenant? <laughs> no. You know, there was, a, there was a bus in London where they had jumbled up the uh, the order that the panelling went for yeah, the Alien so Covenant. Yeah, instead of Alien Covenant. It was Alien Oven Cart. Oven Cart. And it's now become a thing. If you tell you type on Facebook, like, Alien Oven Cart, it brings up a whole wealth of things. People just seem to be ubiquitously referring to Alien Oven Cart. I'm typing it in right now. Are you typing it in right yeah. now? Has it brought things up for you? Uh, yeah, uh, Cambridge Bus Advertisers with the Scott's new film. Oh, is it Cambridge? Oh, it's it's not even Alien. It's Leanne. Oh, it was. It was Leanne, because people were saying Leanne, it's the, yeah, the worst Lion or Leon sequel ever. So That's amazing. Well, that's one for your trilogy box, that Lion, Leon, um, Leanne. Yes. <laughs> to go with your way, way back, and way, way back box mm. up, which, uh, yeah. Okay, so A Dog's Purpose, then, which is the latest from Lasse Holstrom. And what was the last Lasse Holstrom film we had? Um, he did a, was it a Nicholas Sparks film? I feel like it was, and I can't for the life remember which one. Because we get one I'm every, sure it was. we get one every six months now. Yeah. But, so this is based on a book by W. Bruce Cameron, who famously wrote the book Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, which you may be familiar with, mm. largely through its infinitely more known, uh, TV sitcom adaptation. Um, this takes the form of uh, the story of a dog named Bailey and the entire film is told from Bailey's perspective and Bailey is voiced by Josh Gad mm. and basically the entire world is narrated by Bailey and we also through Bailey discover that actually dogs when they die when they get put down, when they die naturally under any death related circumstances they are immediately reincarnated as another dog they, so you know, they close their eyes, they wake up as a puppy. Mm. And that puppy can be a different breed, it can be a different gender, a completely different place in the world. As long as it's country, a dog. As long as it's a dog. Yeah. And, and this is how it works. Now, how the introduction of new dogs into the world comes about, I don't quite know, because that would mean there are a fixed number of dog souls in existence. And I, I'm not really going to get into that. Also... They noticeably start in the sort of 1950s, thereby neatly curtailing having to answer where Bailey was oh. during the Holocaust. So, so this, this film spans quite, quite a time period. It does. It spans about 60 years. <laughs> but literally, it takes, this takes place over 60 years. So from the 50s to now. So it starts with, he's a puppy who's get, who gets almost immediately captured by the pound and put down. Um, we then get... Again, and that's just for behind-the-scenes footage. Well, yeah, exactly. That's going to come up. Yeah. Um, starts with that. He gets put down minutes into this film. Then, for about, 40, for about 40 minutes, he is the pet of a farm where the, son, the, grow, the, the young son who's growing up, who you're going to hear in the clip, uh, grows up to be, you know, go, go on and have a football scholarship and go to college, but that opportunity is taken away from him. In the next life, he becomes a police dog, and that's where the infamous scene pops up, incidentally, and boy, do you feel it, because it's a narrative diversion, if not a thematic one. Um, there's then another scene where he is a college student's pet, and leads her to find love and then there's another scene whereby um, he reunites with a former owner and this goes on and on this takes 60 years here is a clip of him meeting his boy for the first time come on Bailey Bailey sit sit roll over what's he saying there's too many words come on, John. but one word got said more than any other Bailey Bailey after a while I came to understand the words that mattered 
I had a boy, and his name was Ethan. I got a name. My name was Bailey, 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 Bailey. I learned my place in the pack. Mom liked me. Yes. Dad liked me. Yes. Yes. A lot. I was sad for the cat. Obviously, he wanted to be a dog. It wasn't my fault he couldn't be a dog. I think I'm kind of over celebrities voicing dogs. Wait, like, after seeing Steve Martin voice uh, Rags in what was that Christmas film that came out last year? Oh, with I don't uh, remember now. Oh, it was that weird Christmas film where it looked like none of the cast had actually met each other. It was all filmed at an airport. I honestly don't remember. Oh, the, oh, oh, love the Coopers. Love the Coopers. Love yeah. the Coopers. And yes, and it was narrated by the dog. Yeah. Oh my god! But that was that was the big reveal at that the was end. A big twist. The big <laughs> twist was that the dog was. Wow. Yes, I remember that. That was mental. Mm. Um, no, this sits on the spectrum between Marley and me on this on the cynicism spectrum between Marley the, and me. Cynical dog spectrum. Yeah, Marley and me and Hatchie. It, in that same spectrum. director as well. Same director as Hatchie, is it? Yeah, the last thing I was oh, from did, okay. uh, did Hatchie. Right, so he should know better. Oh, well, his last film, uh, The 100 Foot Journey. Oh, with, uh, oh yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I did the press thing for that. Yeah. We went to Le Cordon Bleu. We met Helen Mirren and Ampuri and yeah. Danish Mayal and Manish Dayal. Danish Mayal, I can't remember. Uh, but yes, very, very enjoyable experience. Um, right, so... This is a film that is so mawkish, so eye-rolling, so narratively vomit-inducing, you will honestly wish you were in a coma rather than watching it. And yet, and yet, most irritatingly of all, Lasse Hallstrom can direct a film in his sleep. So, what he's done here, and it's almost infuriating, what he's managed to do is craft a film (laughs) based around uh, impressive visuals, based around this gorgeous, lilting score and his, you know, his own sensibilities, that it's almost precision designed to generate involuntary emotional response in you. And it's not a gag reflex, surprisingly. <laughs> so you can actually hate this film and yet still find yourself welling up. It's one of those films that it's kind of like, you know, if you're in a bad mood, but someone tickles you. It feels like that. The film will put you in a bad mood, but Lasse Holstrom really wants to tickle you emotionally. And, and that's what it is. So, <clears throat> you, so you've got uh, the scores by uh, Rachel Portman. The cinematography is by Terry Stacy. There's a lot going for it, and it's infuriating that that works. It is nowhere, nowhere near as premium a product as Hatchie was. So you know, this one's got five dogs. Not one of them holds a candle to Richard Gere's Akita, and at the same time, it's still infinitely better and less creatively bankrupt than Amalia and Me. <clears throat> Having said that, there is the controversy, which, I, you know, you brought that one up, so I'm just going to run with it. Yes, it's difficult to get past. Yes, you're very aware of when it's happening. Yes, you can tell because it doesn't fit in the film at all. And if you're the kind of person that's already averse to seeing a dog die on a cinema screen, as I asked you about Cassie earlier, can she still <laughs> watching a film which she knows the dog dies? This yeah. is a movie literally built around that concept. Like, apart from maybe American Psycho. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Only exception. This is, this is like for people who can't watch. In my house, we can't watch the first fifteen minutes of John Wick, even though that's the plot. That's the inciting incident mm. in the screen. We can't watch it. Um, I have to fast forward through that bit. But uh, yeah, there's reasons to dislike it. The, the calling it poorly made is not one of those reasons. The fact that it's a terrible story, that it's awful, awful source material, that Lasse Holstrom should know better than this, and yet still gives it his all. He's made enough films at this point. Exactly. 
exactly. I think I feel like this is more of a victory lap than anything else. But you know what? He can still run one quite well, it seems. So fair play. You won't hate it. You won't hate it, but you'll hate yourself for not hating it. That's, that's so that's you'll, it. you'll still hate something. You'll hate something, but it won't be the film. As long you'll as you promise I can still hate something. Yeah, you're gonna hate something, Case, don't worry. But you're not gonna hate the film, you're only gonna hate yourself for not hating the film. Will I hate uh, Citizen Jane? Uh, well, I want to talk about the next two actually in, in together, as it yeah. were. Because they're okay, both so docu- Citizen Jane and uh Burden. Burden, yeah. They're both documentaries, both incidentally distributed by Dog Wolf. Um, so that it's follows a on. Weird theme, isn't it? Follows yeah. on from Dog's Purpose. So uh, distributed by Dog Wolf. They're both out on Friday, and they're both about subjects of which I knew nothing. So Citizen Jane is about Jane Jacobs. Do you know of her at all? No. This was the sixties and seventies. She was a writer and activist who took on the property magnates of New York City, who basically tried to raise the low, raise Lower Manhattan to build a massive expressway. The idea was that there was a as cities were becoming a new thing. There was a, a a conflict of belief between people who believed, like Jane Jacobs did, that a city is an organic thing, that a city grows all of its own. So basically, the New York culture that you and I love so much. You know, the idea that that is the end result, that's what we want to happen. Mm. And then there were the property magnets of the time who came out of the sort of Rockefeller culture who wanted to knock it all down and go for the Judge Dredd aesthetic, where everything is prefabbed. It's all rows of identical buildings. Yeah, it's um, all giant blocks. It's all giant blocks, and everything is connected by freeways. There are no streets anymore. There are freeways between the buildings. And and this is it. And it, it's a fascinating story. The only problem with it all is it doesn't quite come together. It feels like a setup for a longer look into something. It's the kind of film that you'll watch, be intrigued by, be fascinated by, you'll enjoy. But ultimately, you'll come away wanting to do the reading more than anything else. You'll come mm. away thinking, I want to read more about that because I feel like there is more to this story that I, I want to glean. I feel like it's it's a great launching spot more than anything else. And and you know, that's not a bad that's not a bad result at all. If a documentary sends you want away wanting to know more about the subject, then then it's job. Yes. Yeah. It's not a loss, is it? <clears throat> no. And then on to Burden, which is about uh, Chris Burden, the avant garde artist, the performance artist, as it were. And he is basically the man who more or less pioneered American performance art. So, you know, Shia LaBeouf's hero. And, <laughs> you know, without Chris Burden, there is no Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. You're a pal. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're a real trooper there, chief. <laughs> um, really insightful uh, biography, really. Really mm. well-crafted portrait, really takes you through. And what they've done is they've focused on the idea that there was no distinction between the, arti- between the art and the artist. Mm. The idea that he is present in every one of these weird and wacky pieces that he came out with. Uh, they talk to people who are fans of his. They talk to people who aren't fans of his. Now, we've talked about a lot of documentaries over the years. I'm a very, very big proponent of if you do a documentary, you better, you sure as hell better give me the other side of it. <laughs> so when you've got a lot of people telling me, Chris Burden, well, Chris Burden's a genius. I want to hear from the guy who says, Chris Burden's not a genius at all. He's terrible. <laughs> I want to hear that guy just as much. And this film gives you that opportunity. Um, there's a lot of footage with Burden himself, who sadly is no longer with us. I think the documentary might have been crafted after, after he passed on. Because uh, it was only uh, 18 months ago. 18 months, two years ago. So I feel like this might have been put into production afterwards. Um, it is a very compelling piece. It's a very uh, intriguing sort of character character insight. I didn't know much about the man, didn't know much about his work. I'm now more than clued on the idea of exactly what influence he had on modern art. 
and it turns out quite a fair bit. <laughs> and some of his stunts in there influence things as weird as Jackass. I remember <laughs> even Johnny Knoxville owes this guy a debt. And, yeah, it's a really insightful piece. Both are very good documentaries. Both are out on Friday, so that's Citizen Jane and Burden. And uh, they're out by Dog Wolf, which, unfortunately, is not distributing a dog's purpose. That, that's E1. So I feel like they missed a trick there. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back, my wingman. Where shall we go next? To the box office top five. Number five. Their finest. Which I have still not seen. Now, to be fair, this is on me. I had the opportunity yesterday to go of my own accord, in my own free time, and see it. And I decided, instead, to sit and watch Supergirl. And... I, well, if that isn't just, like, slapping Bill Nye in the face, I don't know what is. Well, no, I feel like the part, the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, that was slapping Bill Nye in the, the big face. big CGI tentacle. Number four. I use antlers in all of my My water guy, bad Luke Evans. <laughs> so much better. So much better. Well, I thought, you know, if it's going to keep sticking around the box office top ten, we're just going to vary it up. it up. We're just going to vary it no, up. No, keep, keep that one until the end. <laughs> you want to keep that one until the end? Should we just go with different bits from Gaston? Yeah. Um, and so next week we'll have, I ate four dozen eggs and now I eat five and I'm yeah. the size of a barge. To help, help me go large. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Beauty and the Beast. Which I very much enjoy. We're, we're into the billion now, so, you know. Yeah, we are. We are over the billion as is uh, Fast Eight. Fast Eight is as well. So mm. you know, it's it's made it's made enough money to justify its existence. We shall say now, <laughs> and it's it's given Emma Watson that breakout role she's always wanted post Harry Potter. It's amazing to me that it comes at the uh, the foothills of another franchise film. Mm. But uh, and noticeably, the Circle has opened in the US to somewhat middling reviews and a poor box office reception. It's a shame because I I really like the sound of that film mm. and I really like the director, like uh, James uh, Ponsoldt. If you want to see the uh, uh, the Circle. Done uh, 20 years ago, by the way. Check out a film called Antitrust, starring Ryan Felipe as a computer hacker. Because if you thought Chris Hemsworth was an, impl- was, it was an implausible hacker, in black hats, check out Ryan <laughs> Felipe. But no, Emma Watson, Luke Evans, Dan Stevens, they all own it in Beauty and the Beast. Um, I think Dan Stevens gets the, 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 the most short change because his special effects aren't quite up to the task. Which is a shame. But that's, the performance That's, that's true, but yeah. I, um, yeah, I, th- I think he's. Good on him for getting that role in the first place. Yeah. Huh? The performance is yeah. great, though. I feel like if they'd given him an actual practical effects fuzzy face, it would have worked better. Well, like Ron Perlman style. Yeah. yeah. Just go and give him a Ron Perlman style fuzzy face. It would have worked. We wouldn't have disliked <laughs> that at all. Give me that Give me that Perlman fuzzy face. <laughs> give me that Perlman fuzzy face. Um, but, of course, I think the supporting cast um, and Luke Evans and Josh Gad, they are what make this film. Do you know what I really love? I love uh, the three minutes that Stanley Tucci is on screen. I love those three minutes, too. And I could say about, about anything that Stanley Tucci is in. Yeah, that's pretty true, actually, isn't it? So, Hunger Games, Captain America, Undercover Blues. Uh, what else? Give me some more. Give me some more. Give me, give me some more. He's in so many. Uh, Devil Wears Prada. Oh yeah. Uh, it could happen to you. The Nick Cage lottery film. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about he, that. He plays like the sleazy ex-boyfriend of Nick Cage's of course new he girlfriend. Does. Uh, yeah. A life less ordinary. Yes. Yes. In uh, which big, he also big starts, night. Big yeah. night. In which he also start with the oh, Hugh McGregor, by the way. So yeah, yes. Was, uh, lovely bones is <clears throat> great in as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know what? Maybe we should pick this up in the podcast extras. Indeed. Mm. Number three. Cookies are for clothes. The boss baby. 
Which I liked more than a lot of people, it seems. I don't know, I've heard, uh, I've heard a lot of positive uh, well, notices. From this is doing better than Beauty and the Beast, although it's got, you know, Beauty and the Beast has three weeks on this. So, yeah. you know, Beauty and the Beast did own the box office for three weeks, so fair enough. Um, the only thing about it for me is it falls apart once it feels the need to go on, hey, let's do the Toy Story, Secret mm. Life of Pets, requisite generic adventure 3B. And you're like, no, no, yeah, I was... You could, you could get it all in one location. Uh, yeah. I was enjoying the house sets, you know, Brothers at War movie. That was great. Like, that was really something. It owed a debt to, to Gendy Tartakovsky, you know, the, the whole Samurai Jack culture, uh, uh, the Clone Wars animation. It owed, owed a lot to that, and I loved that. And I wished it had stuck with it. And uh, this is actually kind of fitting. The Powerpuff Girls have been rebooted uh, this last few weeks. And you think, the timing for that couldn't be any better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately it comes down to how much do you love Alec Baldwin? And if the answer is a hell of a lot, then take your kids to go and see The Boss Baby, because they'll love it too. Number two. I don't have friends. I got family. Fate of the Furious. <laughs> I love that voice every time. Yeah. It just feels like he knows how stupid this is now. Did we Did we guess what the title for the next one was going to be? It's, it's not been released yet, but... No, no. What did you say it was? I'm sure you said the Heart of the Furious or something. I think Heart of the Furious for the next one. But something to do with space. Because for... it's just going to be like X, isn't it? For 10. And I'm going with it's just going to be called Furious and the IO is the 10. That, that's, oh, yeah. that's just like, the time. Like a, like a Taken 3, Tac 3. Like Tac 3. Five Null Destination, Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Or Jurafivic World, which it needs to be. It needs to be. Jurafivic World. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be the title. <laughs> By the way, oh, I've got news for Jurassic World, which I'll, I'll, I'll discuss with you later. Um, but no, uh, Fate of the Furious, I like it about as much as I like Fast 6. And not not as much as I like Fast uh, Furious Seven, and sure as hell not as much as I like Fast Five. Which yeah, is, I think Fast yeah. Five is at the top of everyone's list. Yeah, yeah. Fa- Fast Five is the top of mine, followed by Seven, then Six, then this. Which isn't isn't like a downer on this film. No, I, not at all. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I had a Tango Ice Blast about. Definitely helped my sugar levels. <laughs> Your sugar levels are yeah. the roof. <laughs> so I, I was awake, <laughs> and I nearly got punched by uh, someone we briefly thought was Trevor Nelson, but isn't. For legal reasons, we have to stress that it wasn't Trevor Nelson. It is not Trevor Nelson. Anyway, um, <laughs> mm. but no, this is the thing. I, I like the cast are all on form, although Vin Diesel being separated from the main group kind of shows off how dull his character has always been. Uh, Paul Walker is noticeably missing. I, I think it's fair to say. You do notice he's not there. Yeah, because he is um, it's kind of a place with uh, Scott Eastwood characters. It's kind he? of a place with Scott Eastwood, and you kind of feel like <clears throat> they literally picked the next lantern-jawed white guy they could find yeah. <laughs> with Scott Eastwood. <laughs> so some casting director well, Scott Eastwood's basically the new Paul Walker. We'll just use him. And Some of us, like, affordable enough. Exactly. Although I think I don't think he'll be as affordable as Paul Walker was. Paul Walker was pretty affordable. Was he really? Even including the later Fast films. I feel like his price shot up when I, well, Fast his, films were popular His again. price only applied to the Fast and Furious movies, surely, because no one was paying him top dollar to star in The Hours. Or uh, Brick Mansions. Exactly. Yeah. Or Vehicle 19. Oh, I mean, let's be honest, Paul Walker, great actor when he had the chance. So, yeah. you know, Fast and Furious films, arguably some of his best stuff. I remember director Rob Cohen once pitching him as, as uh, Steve McQueen in a biopic. I could actually have seen that happening. That would have been a genuine interesting project. But the guy did do an awful lot of awful direct-to-DVD movies. And that's a shame. He never got to sort of, you know, get back on the A-list. But uh, anyway, in the meanwhile, Furious 8... Fast is it Fast and Fast and Fast Furious, Furious 8? 8 here or Fate of the Furious? Fate of the Furious should just be called everywhere. 
It should, shouldn't it? It's a better title. Not I sure. liked the film. I think once you've gone from uh, boosting DVD players and TVs to taking on nuclear submarines, you've perhaps taken it a little far. But uh, you know what? Firmly. Number one. I liked it more than the first one. Really? Mm. Wow. I know that... I know that vast majority of people aren't going to agree with that, mm. and obviously in the words of the dude, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> um, Don't bring Jeff Bridges into this, man. That, that's a low bro. Low blow, low blow, bro. Hey, about Jeff Bridges, bit of a bit of like a side note. Me and my good lady wife were talking about the live-action Disney films. Yes. And we were trying to cast them. It's a lot like our conversations that we, okay, we have. Yeah. We got onto the upcoming... Um, Adaptation of uh, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Jeff Bridges, King Triton. Okay, yeah, I could totally see that. I yeah. literally can't see anyone else. I could I could down. now, now that you've said it, I can absolutely see that. Yeah. But he has to actually open his mouth all the way and speak properly and enunciate. Oh, he's not done that since the last none, picture show. No, 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 no. That was more Harrison Ford. Well, yeah, true. Yeah. So, right, so, yeah, two. so about this, I, um, I did, I enjoyed it slightly more than I did the first one. Can we just stress, because we have, haven't mentioned that this is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 yet. I feel like I don't need to. <laughs> I feel like I don't... It's just... The film made nearly $14 million in fair pounds, pounds yeah. yeah. It's not even opened in America yet. It hasn't, and it's going to be huge. It is going to be massive. Yeah, I, I have my reasons for uh, enjoying it more than the first one. I did love the first one, and there was something about this one that just kind of connected to me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not going to go into the spoilerific specifics. Was it the music thing? Was it the was it the central theme, perhaps? I think it was It was the central theme. We can we can actually name that central theme, because that's not a spoiler, that it's a father-son thing. Well, because obviously that's in the adverts. That, that's but, in the adverts. But, it's, but it's, not even, it's not even the central father-son theme. Okay. It's, it's, what's, it's what's implied in, like, the end of the second act. Oh, okay, um, right. No, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a couple of bits that just kind of they hit me harder than they did in the first film, and the music it had some of my favourite songs of all time. Did you prefer it. this soundtrack to the first one? Um, soundtrack wise, I'll have them as on par because there was a lot. Okay. Of, there was a lot of songs from the first film that I'd completely forgotten about. Whereas in this one, mm. there was just some of my favourite songs of all oh, time. Okay. Like I absolutely hate Glen Campbell. I don't like Glen Campbell at all, but I love the song Seven Nights. Okay, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I'm sorry, but I, I think everyone has the soundtrack. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone, anyone who cares has the so, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, and also that button comes from the soundtrack. <laughs> of course, um, the first song from the film, which I'm not going to say, is is a big part of the film. It is, and, yes, and, and yes. That would be my top probably 20 songs of all time. Okay, did you, so when I said so last that's, week, that's why. I probably enjoy it more. Because I never got to ask you this. Uh, yeah. well, you replied to me by text. I've yet to ask you verbally. So when I said last week about there are there is some really heavy-handed stuff in there, and yet somehow James Gunn pulls it off. Oh, I know what you mean. You do know what I mean. Yeah. There, are, there are certain song choices where you're like, wow, really? That should be awful. And yet somehow it's uh, great. A certain song uh, by, uh, by Yousef Islam. By Yousef Islam. Exactly, yeah. Whose voice just ages like a fine wine. Doesn't it? It really does, yeah. doesn't it? And can I just point out that that moment in which that song is played, how much did you well up at that moment? How much did you love that moment? I did love that moment. There's a bit about 15 minutes earlier to that that I welled up more at. But I'll talk about that. Off, off, off mic, sc- off, off mic. mic. Okay, yeah. that's right. Off, off screen. So, <laughs> off screen. So, Guardians two, a win for you. Oh, 
Just, yeah, absolutely. A thousand times, yes. <laughs> Definitely top three Marvel films. And I, I'm fully aware that my opinion is going to be really different from analysis. What I've, I think the general consensus from a lot of people is they didn't enjoy it as much as the first one, and that reason is because the first one, they had absolutely zero expectations. Yes, to which be is, fair. Which is unfair. And it's the thing I always like... That can't be avoided, though, I don't think. I don't know, but I, I always get on your back about this, because you constantly... <laughs> I don't blame you too much, but you constantly compare Marvel film to Marvel film. Well, yes. And I don't even want to compare two films in like the same franchise. My thing with the first Guardians movie... I need to um, kind of like... I want to like separate them, differentiate them, treat them for their own like separate entities that they are. Because of the surprise factor of the first Guardians of the Galaxy, my comment when it was out was, this must have been what it was like in 1977 to have seen A New Hope out of the blue. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have that. I think a lot of people wanted this to be Empire. This isn't Empire. Oh, it's not Empire, This is its own, no. this is its own Guardians this isn't Empire. volume 2. This is Force Awakens. You know. No, it's not. It's, stop comparing it to things. It's, <laughs> it's Guardians 2, and it is what it is. It's his own... It's it's literally its own film. Can, can try, I ask Try to compare it exactly to another film. It's not. It's, it's, it's its own film. I think that's why it's better than the first one. All right, fine. It's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. You happy now? You yeah. happy now? You yeah, feel well, good now? Yeah, but that is a perfect film. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of, did you, did you, did you agree <laughs> with my assessment that James Gunn has mastered the opening and closing credits of a film? Oh, that we can agree on. We can agree yeah. on that. Did you love, even the song choice, did you love the opening credits of this film? Yes. <laughs> Very much. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave that then. We've got to go on and do a review. Uh, so, shall we talk really, really quickly about Sleepless? If we absolutely have to. Okay. This is, I mean, I, I'm going to be as quick as I can humanly be on this one, because there's not an awful lot to say on it anyway. This is a remake of the French film Sleepless Night. It stars Jamie Foxx. This is directed by Baron Boaudar. Uh, it's also co-stars Michelle Monaghan. Remember her? Remember she was nearly a thing? Yeah. For like five minutes. She was minutes. in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah like she, she, she was going to be a thing for like yeah. 25 minutes, once upon a time, yeah. Um, uh, Dermot Mulroney is in this as well. He's your villain. <laughs> right. um, as another villain, you have Scoop McNary. Oh, I love See, Scoop. That, 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 that picture interest, isn't it? It really did. And wouldn't you believe it, T.I. Remember T.I.? He's like a walking monument to 2007. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. which which was a decade ago now. But here he oh, is, God. and yeah. he's acting, and it's not Ant Man. So I'd say he was acting in Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in Ant Man, the film kind of neglect, you know, kind of hushed us away from the notion that we were looking at Ti. Mm. This movie has Ti in it, and you can't help but notice we're watching Ti. Oh, look, that's Ti. Right. So you've got um, basically you've got an undercover cop played by Jamie Foxx. His son is kidnapped after he after he the cop, not the son, after he has inadvertently boosted a load of cocaine. His partner Ti have boosted a load of cocaine from a drug lord. Um, the drug lord takes his son, blackmails the cop, and says, give me my coke back, or I shall murder your son. And he has one night to do it in. In the meanwhile, he's also being chased by an internal affairs officer, who is played by Miss Monaghan, of course. And, uh, well, here's a clip. Where are my drugs? Where's my son? Dad! What's going on? It's going to be okay. You steal from me. Oh my guys. Let's just figure it out. This is the biggest amount I ever moved. I think I wouldn't protect it with everything I've got. Look, we didn't know the drugs were yours. You have no idea what kind of mess you made here. That cocaine is supposed to go to the Novaks. You know what they're capable of. I got the drugs. I got the rest stashed. I'll get it to you when I get my son. I don't get you, Downs. There's a right way to do things and a wrong way. 
Just don't think that you respect the established protocol. The right way is how I usually do things. Ten minutes. Dad! Ten minutes! Jamie Foxx there and the pressures of having your child kidnapped when your child is played by an actor who decides to play it as if he wants nothing to do with you or your film. And that is basically the case here. Nobody seems particularly interested in being there. Um, Not even um, uh, Oscar winner Jamie Foxx. No, Oscar winner Jamie Foxx seems to think he's doing his own version of that, that Tyrese vehicle waist deep. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that? Uh, I never saw it, but I do remember it. Oh, man. Well, Waist Deep, let me tell you something for nothing. Waist Deep was an awful lot better than this. This is poor. It's not even that it's especially poorly made. It's just poorly written, poorly performed, poorly delivered. It, it just, you're watching it thinking, I, this feels like padding for something, but it's the film. There's no padding in mm. the film. The film is the padding. That that's really it. You know they say the proof is in the pudding. No, the plot is in the pudding in this case, and the whole thing is pudding. And yeah, I came away from it all thinking, okay, so uh, Amazing Spider-Man wasn't a one-off. Jimmy Fox sucks now. Okay, that, that's fair. And oh, oh, David Harbour turns up. David Harbour, and you, you, you've never been happier to see him. It's like seeing an old friend who you know is going to... You know when you're at a really boring dinner party? and that, David Harbour uh, from Stranger Things. From Stranger Things. Yeah. You know when you're at a really boring dinner party and that one friend you just you know shows up and you're like, oh my God, thank God you're here. You're going to liven this mm. place up. David Harbour is that man. Yeah. David Harbour is the man who... You remember literally because I am actually friends with David Harbour in real life. <laughs> Do you actually have a friend named David Harbour? That would be amazing <laughs> if you did. Yeah, David Harbour from Strange Things. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, and this comes from the co-writer of uh, Straight Outta Compton. It's not particularly investable. It's not particularly interesting. Uh, Baron Odar, the Swiss director behind it all, is trying, and he he's, he's he manages to put some life into it, but it's not enough to carry it all through. It's just, it feels like, you know those director DVD films that Samuel L. Jackson has like 50 of to his name? Hmm. You know the ones that are always in petrol station bargain bins, and it's Samuel L. Jackson in yeah. The Hard Connection, or something, <laughs> some stupid generic title like that. You, you know the ones where he's always in it with someone like, you know, I know you mean. Samuel L. Jackson and Dominic Cooper in, you know. There's one he did uh, with Michael Sheen, where Michael Sheen is like a terrorist in some city exactly yeah. those exactly that's what this is this is one of those yet for some reason E1 have put it on cinema screens I don't know why and yeah I mean literally just you know look under the dictionary under you know Jackson Samuel L and when it you know, third entry under that where it says you know purveyor of crappy director DVD content that applies to this as well that that applies to James well, he's got to be in at least 20 films a year he's got to keep up that quote so not everything can be the end is it like that Family Guy gag when they show up on the porn shoot and it's yeah. Samuel Jackson and he's <laughs> like now Samuel was <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean avoid sleepless like the plague I had expectations those expectations were not met and they were pretty low to begin with mm. with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen the on screen radio show and we're back and dancing. By the way, Case, you know the involuntary way in which you start dancing to that every time? Yes. That, that's like having an emotional reaction to a dog's purpose, except oh, with, really? with tears. Hmm. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah, but that's usually the way I dance anyway. What, with tears? With tears, yeah. <laughs> For me and everyone watching me. You forget I've been to your wedding. I've seen you dance. And you, you were mystified and... Well, I, Highly you're a better dancer than I, I would ever have given you credit for, sir. But, <laughs> Who'd uh, have thought it? Someone was played bass for nearly most of his life. Would have any <laughs> semblance have of rhythm. rhythm. <laughs> 
I just wouldn't have expected. I would have figured you were very awkward. Anyway, speaking of, <laughs> no, um, I just want to have a conversation with people. That's very true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the journey then, which is the latest from uh, director Nick Ham, who did Killing Bono. Did you ever see? Yeah, I did not like that film at all. It was a very divisive one, wasn't there? People yeah. who really loved it, and there were people who really loathed it. And I sat in the middle and just sort of went, <laughs> not particularly bothered one way or the other. It was uh, Pete Possefoyt's final film. Was that Pete? That wasn't, was it? It was indeed. Oh man, I thought it was that sci-fi movie about the environment. That was his last film, but never mind. Yeah, oh well, okay. So this is a um, huh, little bit more topical. This is set in two thousand six around the. Do you know the events of the St Andrews Conference? In 2006. No. Right. This was when Ian Paisley, uh, the head of the Democratic Unionist Party, and uh, uh, Martin McGuinness of Sinn Féin came together and under Tony Blair's watch, basically, and agreed on what would become the political, what is now the st- political status quo of Ireland. Basically, the end of the Troubles entirely. Now, this film opens with an abridged history of the Troubles, as it calls them, and uh, then takes place almost entirely on the space of a, j- a car journey to the airport, in which Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness, who are political opposites, political adversaries, yet have never met and never spoken, basically are forced to talk for the first time in their in their lives, in their entire political careers. Ian Paisley is played by Timothy Spall, and he plays him with just this wonderful scowl and these ridiculous fake teeth and thick glasses and the the you know the balding swept back white hair mm. and Martin McGuinness is called Meany. No way. Exactly. Yes, I ran into Colmini twice the other week. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> anyway, um so they they are forced to talk for the first time in their lives. However, a series of uh, unfortunate events on the road combined with British governmental intervention conspire to keep them on the road as long as possible and before you know it they're basically just chatting the day away and they begin to get to know each other as men, as political figures, and as leaders. Here's a clip. We are on the verge of something the wider world will applaud, but our own people will hate. You are being asked to betray your tribe, and I'm being asked to betray mine. That's all. How can we even contemplate doing that Hmm? (laughs) what that's the first time you've said we isn't it odd hearing Cole Meany play an Irish guy? <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? He's played an Irish guy before, but he never seems Irish. I mean, he was an Irish character in Star Trek for a decade. But, uh, right, so Cole Meany absolutely owns this. He's got some swagger. He's got some charm. He's about as likable as you could possibly make Martin McGuinness be. And the fact that this movie opens, where is it now? About five weeks since Martin McGuinness passed away. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was, it was pretty recent, wasn't it? Because it was, he was a controversial figure upon his death. It was, mm. it was a case of, do you... Uh, do you, do you mourn what the figure that he was, or the figure that he was when he passed, or the figure that he was years earlier? And there was a lot of controversy, particularly on the internet, on Facebook, things like that, about that uh, that argument. Um, the, 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 the rapport between the two actors is absolutely tremendous. It is largely a two-handed. It's like a stage play for the screen. It takes place largely within the car. Timothy Spall is delightfully misanthropic in it. Carmini's dark-hearted, but a little bit more jovial, a little bit more charming. And Freddie Highmore turns up. Oh, I like him. Yeah. yeah. And would you believe it? Freddie Highmore, grown man now. 
and still mm. looks and sounds like Freddie Highmore. Isn't he in uh, Bates Motel? Is that what he does? Yeah, that's sure. his, his yeah. TV show. Yeah, but I, I never I never watched that. But yeah, he's he's a grown man now. I'm now Bates Motel's finished, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah, so I might get a chance to watch that now. Um, I liked it very much. I thought uh, Nick Ham, who did The Hole, uh, was about 15, 20 years ago, did The oh, Hole. did he do that as well? He did The Hole. Kieran Atley. Kieran Atley and yeah. Thora Birch. Remember when Thora Birch was in films? Yes, Eddie. I remember. Um, so, yeah. Pepper Charm remembers. Pepper Charm remembers, yeah. Um, because, obviously, having done a film like that, he's used to working in confined spaces, and that works to his advantage. Here, it is a very compelling film. It is uh, it's, it's actually incredibly well put together. I did buy into it. It's one of those films that works. It has enough pathos to play to the finish line. It works for people who don't particularly know the political ins and outs of the arguments being flouted. And aside from one very brief sequence in which they take a sort of segue to a disused cemetery, it all feels pretty natural, not very t- not too forced, pretty involving, pretty captivating. I liked it very much. I'm going to give it film of the week. No way. I am actually going to give okay. it film of the week. So, and I didn't expect that at all because I had no expectations for it. I was really blown Isn't away. Isn't that good when that happens? Though? I know. I was blown away yeah. by that. But I mean, Timothy Spall. Think about if you could have gone into Guardians Two with zero expectations. What oh, would for that be Mike? every time with you, every time. So <laughs> next week, we'll look at some of the interesting things to come next week. Um, there is there's a film about an oven next week. We got that to look forward to. <laughs> oh, Leanne, Le- Leanne and her oven who can't. Leanne can't use her oven. <laughs> Alien Covenant next week. We've got the leveling. Do you know about that one? That's a British film. Uh, no, a British film called that. We've got the Secret Scripture. We've got Miss Sloan with Jessica Chastain. Oh, next is that week. finally coming out? Finally getting a release. I think every other critic in the world has seen it, bar myself at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got France next week. We've got Spaceship and a film I've been looking forward to reviewing very much because apparently I'm on the marketing for it somewhere. Jawbone. Hmm. Uh, with uh, uh, Michael Smiley and Ray Winston. And, ooh, yes. yes. And believe me, as I'm good as that sounds, just you wait for the finished thing. Yeah, so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been Candy Store Production for On Screen. I've been Bank on it. I've been Mindhorn. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. You have no right to complain about how how good Guardians is. <laughs> well, it's just, how did he know who Jackson Pollock was? How does he know the intricacies yeah. of, of the Sam and Diane relationship on Cheers? How, how does he... First of all, because the Sam, the Sam and Diane relationship on Cheers, it transcends space and time. Okay, fair enough. I'll yeah. give you that. Fine. And... I mean, come on, he, he knows all about Heather Locklear. Also, how does he know all the biographies of all of these musicians that he keeps talking about? I mean, at one point in the first... What do you mean, biographies? In the first movie... This is a giant spoiler, I'm sorry if you've not seen Volume 2. No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just saying in the first movie, right, when he's in the prison, like, Blue Swede, 1960... And you're like, how do you know that? Did your mum specifically sit you down and say, right, so this is Blue Swede, uh, Hooked on a Feeling, 1970, blah 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 You know, really... And he remembered all this for 34 years. I would have known that when I'm seven. Uh, Not about them specifically, not about that band specifically. Not 34 years, sorry. Uh, 27 years, wouldn't it? 27 years, yeah. But seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old case, if you asked him about certain bands from, like, 30, 40 years ago, he would have known. Uh, Okay, fine. Maybe, Maybe it's just because I... 
I love music so much that I kind of Well, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Maybe I will. Maybe I'll get divorced from my wife, my actual (laughs) physical human wife, and marry music. (laughs) There is a recipe for a comedy right there. A man tries to marry the concept of music. (laughs) Sounds like the man who sued God. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, literally. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm getting... I feel like I should just not be on the internet for the next two weeks after seeing that film. There's going to be a lot of people complaining about Guardians of the Galaxy. But, you know, as we were just saying... I want to slap them. I want to slap them all. It is nice to have a You're film. really lucky to live in this time period. I know. But it is nice to have a blockbuster that reminds you about everything that's great about a blockbuster film. And yeah. Yeah. That, that is a rarity. And, you know, and then we've got... Hey, we're a month away from a Transformers movie. So, you know, think about that for a second. Exactly. You can just... You can eat your popcorn you know, and... Which is going to star Star-Lord's mum. Slobber all over that. You know, consider that. Oh, Star-Lord's mum going to be in. Star-Lord's mum is the female lead in Transformers 5, The Last Night. Right. So God help us, man. But, uh, but you know, lest we forget, K. Diego will return. <laughs> an inventor. My name's K. Diego. I'm an inventor. My name's K. Diego. Oh man, oh. he sucked. It was John Mosby, the great John Mosby, who famously said of Transformers Four, "You can't spell extinction without stink." And you know what? <laughs> he was absolutely right. He really was. And uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, God, that movie sucked. It really did. I remember. Uh, I remember wishing Kermode luck before it started. We were at the we were at the BFI for the for the multimedia. I ran into. I didn't really know the guy back then. I just ran, hey Mark, good luck with this one. And uh, I think he did. He record a video. Oh no, it was for the third movie where he tried, he recorded a video of himself smashing his head against a brick wall. I believe that was his uh, worst film of that year. Was that his worst film of that year? I would expect this next one. Will uh, be his worst film as well. Certainly in the top ten. Well, you know, according to Anthony Hopkins, Michael Bay is a genius. He's a genius. He's yeah. a genius, man. Says uh, Academy Award winner and uh, celebrated Fespian. And, and star uh, of Solace. Star of Solace, uh, composer, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I love that he's a composer as well. He's a composer of what? Emails? No, love of music, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. Like, huge, like, orchestral pieces of music. That, that's fair. You should listen to one of his people. They are really great. I, I haven't found time to get through the last Muse album yet. So, you know, the odds of... Well, that's because it takes six months to listen to one. Uh, uh, well, hey, you know, I have heard of Drones. It's a very good album. Drones <laughs> is such a good title for that <clears throat> album. Okay. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see where you're going with that. Touche, sir. Touche. Well played. Uh, so give me some because we've got no reviews for the for the podcast actually this week so. no that's why we can just rant yeah so you know I can look like I'm about to have an embolism about <laughs> talking about Guardians this is all because you saw a list ranking all the Marvel that's films that's why and number one was, was Captain America the first Avenger now for the record you, I, you, you are as angry as me I'm as angry as you because it should be the first Iron Man but you know that's just my own personal you're literally wearing an Iron Man shirt right? I am aren't I? Yeah. I forget I, I own that many of them I don't think anymore <laughs> you just got a full wardrobe like, I, like Batman. You just I got... worked out once I can go 26 days without doing laundry and I still have a fresh superhero t-shirt every day. That's incredible. Thank you. I've not got a minute. I've, I've definitely got a Captain America one. That's one of my favourite t-shirts. You've got more than 26 Pearl Jam t-shirts. I mean... That's a good point, man. <laughs> <laughs> Call it what it is, Mr. Eddie Vedder is my life. <laughs> oh, let me have a look what, uh, what's on my news list. So, uh, see we, see we can well, I've, I've got a bunch uh, ready to go. Yeah, what was the Narnia thing you were doing? 
yeah, actually, yeah, let's link this into uh, into Marvel and uh, into Captain America specifically. Uh, Joe Johnson, who did uh, the first Avenger, did uh, the Rocketeer. Oh, yeah. He's been brought in to do uh, uh, Silver Chair, which is uh, the latest in the Chronicles of Narnia. That would be the it's- fourth film. Oh, no, fifth film, wasn't it? No, fifth fourth, fourth. The fourth, yeah. Fourth. last okay. one being... Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes, with, oh, what's his ben name? Ben Barnes? Will Poulter, I was going Well, Will Poulter, yeah, of uh, course, Ben yeah. Barnes was the carryover from uh, Prince Caspian. Yeah, he is Prince Caspian. Uh, Simon Pegg was the voice of... Reaper Cheap? Cheap? Reaper Cheap. Reaper Cheap. Taking over from Eddie Izzard, I believe. Oh, really? It, 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 Eddie Izzard in Prince Caspian, Simon Pegg in Voyage of the Dawn Treader. No, I thought Simon Pegg just said it from both. No, no, realize. the first time was Eddie Izzard. I didn't realise. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Strange, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that'll work. And this is going to serve uh, something of a reboot as well for the Narnia films. I think did it did it move studios? Did I hear? Yeah, it's gone from is it Walden to Fox? I think now. Well, it, it was at Disney. It was no Walden was at Disney. Sorry, and now yes, Walden have gone to that. Fox. I yeah. think that's what it is. And okay, uh, there was a BBC version of uh, Chronicles, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia from. Early eighties, wasn't it? Either the late eighties or early nineties. Oh, I'm sure it was I, late eighties. I absolutely loved it. That that version of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is outright terrifying. Oh, it is. That yeah. that wolf dude is insane. <laughs> yeah, that that terrified the <laughs> out of me as a child. <laughs> I'm not even. That actually terrified me. Like someone put that on for kids. Mm. I know there are a lot of complaints that Doctor Who occasionally crosses the line, but no, nothing on that. That wolf dude was legit uh, yeah, terrifying. That was that's some scary stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, actually? Yeah, speaking of Doctor Who, have you been uh, have you been watching the new series of Doctor? Who? I haven't did. I've really been enjoying it. I, I have. I'm weirded I, out. I don't know how much enjoying it. Yeah, I'm. I'm annoyed that I'm enjoying it as much as that. Do you think? Do you think that Moffat was just like saving all these for his last season? Yeah. <laughs> At the end, he's going to be like, "See you later." Well, we're getting rid of Capaldi now. I might as well make it good. I know. Such a shame because like him and him and Bill are just working so I know, well together. And I thought she was going to be terrible. How much do you love Bill? I like Bill an awful lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd be really, really sad if Bill doesn't come back. David Suchet's in it in a few weeks. He's in it next week, isn't he? Is it next there? week? Mm. Apparently, he's the grandson of a former companion. Really? Yeah. Oh, I like Of that. one of the old school companions. He's the grandson. That's mm-hmm. really cool. But yeah, it's it's kind of like a murder house kind of a... Oh, nice. ...kind of a vibe. Yeah, so let's get David Suchet for a murder mystery. What could possibly go wrong? Mm. <laughs> uh, what do you reckon about the rumours that uh, Chris Marshall is going to be... Uh, the Doctor. The Doctor, uh, I don't think it'll happen because apparently they want someone young and sexy. Uh, Chris Marshall is neither, nor is he talented in any way. So uh, you know, you really feel that strongly against Chris Marshall? Yes, I really feel that strongly against Chris Marshall. Oh, hey, because I remember really liking him in my family when my family was on screen. Um, Not an easy role to play though in my family. Yeah, it was just he had all the really cool, funny things to do in that show. And um, Chris Marshall yeah. belongs on TV, but only on the BT adverts. <laughs> he's good in those. He's, he's good, good in those. Yeah, which goes to prove. But they confirm. ended like seven years ago. <laughs> there, there, there really is a a, a very yeah. specific short form which suits That's him. Going. I just I don't think we. I don't know if we need to see the forty-something-year-old Chris Marshall anymore. No, no I, I, I I wouldn't be like horrified if if he was. Um, just get someone. I, you know, just someone I'm, mysterious I'm, for a change. I think that, I think that that's the thing more than anything else. Like, I'd be cool if it's a lady. I'd be fine if it was. Just 
Yeah, it, I, I do. It I do. We just need. We just need to be like enigmatic. That's what you need. Prior to the introduction of the new master being a woman, I I would have said oh, that, Missy, Missy's great yeah. though. Prior I feel to that's why we did Missy as yeah. well. Prior to the introduction of Missy, I would I would have said never make it a woman. Now that they've actually established that it can yeah. be because, because there was no she precedent was such for good, it. She's such a guy actually. because there was no precedent with my thing. Yeah. But now that she's there, you think okay, if you've established that you can, fine. The only thing is, you lose about half the fan base instantly if it's a woman. But then also by the same token, if you just cast another white guy, another third to a half of people will say, I'm not going to watch it because, come on, we're now 13 Doctors in and we're still with white guys. Well, yeah, I mean, they're really uh, really beating the odds on that one, huh? It is. They're I stuck mean, between a rock and a TARDIS, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so more news, what we got? Uh, do you want to hear my... F- oh, I mean, I've already told you, but uh, my, my favourite piece of news of the week. Go on, what is it? Um, do you remember uh, Manchester by the Sea? Yes, the, yes. The, the, the Manchester by the feck and sea, as, as, <laughs> yeah. uh, as, as they're calling it. Excellent yeah. Boston uh, accent there. <laughs> been watching a lot of movie bars. Yeah. <laughs> it was on point, it was really, really good. Um, Amazon have announced that uh, uh, that town, mm-hmm. the, the actual town, uh, Manchester by the sea, they're going to uh, receive uh, Amazon Prime for free. For life. I don't know if it's for life. We just said yeah. that we're going to see the whole town is going to have Amazon Prime for free, which I love. I'm not surprised because this got this actually this film enabled Amazon to get an Oscar nomination for Best Picture before Netflix. Of course, they're rewarding yeah. them. You know, well, you know, with the, once they once they've passed that milestone, they're good. I bet Netflix were pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what Netflix going to do? Give them free streaming? Uh, not just that though. They won two Oscars. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah. but uh, but not for Best Picture. That's the problem. They all want that best picture now. I think we were fine. I think they were like I think their best picture was getting the screenplay. Well, yeah, was it was. It was like we'll let Moonlight and La La Land have a whole mm. debacle. Did you know that Oliver Stone was doing a Vladimir Putin documentary? Uh, I did uh, a few days ago, so I never read about it. Fair enough. That was uh, it's. It's called the Putin interviews, and it's. Uh, <laughs> yep, it is premiering uh, on I it was called, uh, uh, Putin on the Ritz. That's what it should have been called. <laughs> That's what I would call a film about Putin. Putin with my knees up. <laughs> Putin my feet up. Uh, Talking about Putin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be called the Putin interviews. It premieres on uh, June 19th on Showtime in the US. No one on UK uh, release yet. What other ones we have? Uh, handbags and the Vladbags. <laughs> This is what gets us cyber hacked. Just FYI. Stop yeah, it. Okay. Sorry, supremely. We do not need our bank records turfed inside out, okay? I don't know about you, I don't. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. That sounds cool. Paul sounds Newman good. in Cars 3. Did you know this? Yeah, he's going to be in it. He, he's going to be in it. Apparently, they have 26 hours of Paul Newman. Yeah, he's going to be in it, despite the uh, rather obvious disadvantage of being dead. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a long time ago. This is apparently John Lasseter, who never turns off the recorder. He has 26 oh. hours of Paul Newman. I don't think that's just a John Lasseter. I think that's just, like, a Disney thing. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen the end of Saving Mr. Banks, so... Exactly, yeah. You know, make of that one what you and, want. And uh, um, uh, Robin Williams as well. There's well, all... There's, yeah. there's, like... It's supposed to be, like, 20 hours of just, like, unused genie. Well, that's why he has that little clause in his will, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> You're not doing any films using the wealth of material you have of me. So much. <laughs> in the case of Robin Williams, though, so much of that's going to be alternative takes, isn't it? With yeah. Paul Newman, oh, you yeah, know, it's probably just going to be conversation and things. Mm. With Robin Williams, a lot of that'll be you know different, just like ad hoc, just yeah, ad libs and different, 
Yeah, different impersonations, really. Here's a story I absolutely adored: uh, Superman versus the KKK. Yeah, I don't really know too much about this actually. This I didn't really, I didn't really know it myself to be honest. This was a real thing where, in 1946, I believe, when Superman was a radio drama, uh, they did a storyline in which Superman took on. They weren't the KKK, but they might as well have been. They were a very thinly disguised version of the KKK. There was a former clan member went undercover with, in the operation as well. Huh. And, yeah, that's now going to be brought to the screen, almost Argo style. I'm like, yeah, that sounds Argo, good. fudge yourself. Argo, fudge yourself, yeah. Um, the only thing is, where can we find a Dean Kane cameo? That's my only question. Um, we need to find a oh. Dean Kane cameo in there. TV's Dean Kane. Yeah, TV's Dean Kane. <laughs> yeah. God. I feel like there's certain actors that you need to say TV. TV's DK. Like uh, TV's uh, Kevin Sorbo. TV's Alan Thicke? Yes. <laughs> Did he die, Alan Thicke? Uh, last year. Last, last year. year, yeah. Uh, oh, um, Westerns, a uh, favourite of mine, and one character in particular, Doc Holliday. Have you heard about this one? He's in a biopic. Yeah, uh, going to be uh, played by uh, Jeremy Renner. Because nothing says charisma like Jeremy Renner. Nothing <laughs> says charisma like trying to get the original actor, failing and getting Jeremy Renner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like him. I feel I feel bad with that kind of reputation he's got. But that's that is, isn't it? That is Jeremy Renner's thing. Jeremy Renner is basically the understudy. He's Hollywood's understudy. Mm. I mean, th- this is good news <laughs> for him because this means by the end of his career, he might have done every conceivable role there is to do. Well, possibly, yeah. He'll get no recognition for any of it. But he will have done it. He's mm. been the lead of the Mission Impossible franchise twice. He's really reliable. I think that's, uh, he is. He that's really is. That's uh, what else we are. Cool. Um, the Great Outdoors is getting a remake. Do you know about this? Is Dan Aykroyd behind this one as well? Because I, I've, I've given up on him and remakes. Don't listen to him anymore. <laughs> Look, no, no. He just talks nonsense. He shows up and he says stuff about aliens and 9-11 and, and, and baffles everyone. And then when they're not looking, Ooh. he slips a remake on us. Do you know what film I'm going to uh, rewatch tonight? What? Evolution. <laughs> really? Yeah, he just struck me. Uh, He's in that. He's in that, I used yes. to love that when I was younger. The shampoo movie. The shampoo film. The, the Head yeah. and Shoulders movie. With, with with David Duchovny, David Duchovny, uh, Orlando Jones, Orlando. Whatever happened to Orlando Jones? He's in American Gods, apparently. Is he? Yeah. Oh, good. I've missed Can't him. wait to start that. There was there was a point, wasn't there, around the millennium when he started turning up in every other film. Yeah, and then he just he disappeared. Was just that guy again. He, he disappeared after I think it was like Biker Boys. He was briefly in Biker Boys yes. and disappeared. Uh, well, sadly, he's not going to be in the remake of uh, The Great Outdoors. No. But uh, Kevin Hart is because uh, it is a remake, uh, and, and he seems to be doing a lot of them, doesn't he? He does, and also he. he it seems like uh, I'm going to guess it's Universal um, are dedicating <laughs> themselves solely to f-ing you off. So it's got to be Kevin Hart. <laughs> I like Kevin Hart. I thought you didn't I like, like Kevin Hart. Um, I no, swear you told me you didn't like Kevin Hart. At one point, I didn't, and he's uh, he's grown on me. Okay, okay, fair like enough. Some small rash, <laughs> a small one, huh? <laughs> well, small like Kevin Hart, <laughs> like Kevin Hart. Uh, <laughs> we've not said who else is going to be in it because obviously the the basic setup is um, two families go away to like a woodland retreat, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like a log cabin kind of thing. Uh, one dad is like the put upon dad. Um, he's really like run down, works yeah. really hard and stuff. Was that that was Dan Aykroyd in the original, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was actually John Candy. That was John Candy. John Candy was the that, straight that, man. That, in the that was the thing because John Candy mm. was actually playing the straight man for once. And then oh, yeah. uh, Dan Aykroyd was playing the like goofy dad, the one that doesn't really care. The... Okay, I will rewatch this. Yeah, uh, and Kevin Hart is uh, going to be uh, playing the John Candy role, so he's going to be like the the straight man for a change. Oh, okay, then. So can I suggest Ice Cube for this? It'd be amazing. That would be incredible. 
I would love to see that. What was the film? I can't remember this. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that The Rock is going to be cast any oh, minute. Oh, The Rock will be in there. But, yeah. um, but there was a film a, a couple of years ago. It got announced. I'm still waiting for this film to, 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 to see the light of day. It's apparently coming. There is a film in which a dweeby white guy has a head injury and a voice suddenly materialises in his head telling him what to do, and that voice is Ice Cube. This is an actual film. It's real. It's coming. This is actually happening. Oh, it's, it's not happened yet. It's not happened yet. It's apparently it's in development. Ice Cube is playing the voice inside a dweeby white guy's head after he has a head injury. That sounds incredible, and I need to see it. Also, frankly, if, if that's not Charlie Day, then I'll be annoyed. I've still not seen uh, Fist Fight. Fist Fight. Oh, you'll see it eventually, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll Or you could just see uh, Cat Fight and actually see it done slightly better. <laughs> but yeah. oh, can I That talk sounds something? great, though. It does. Can I talk about the Paul Verhoeven movie? I guess so. Because you, so you know, start, don't you? So, well, yeah. So you know, now. you know how he did that that movie that um, antagonised a lot of feminists. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it seems that he he he's not really learnt anything from that experience. He's going to take it slightly further next. He's doing um, a lesbian nun movie. Yes, it's nice <laughs> as you do. It's going to be based on the book Immodest Acts. Hmm. And uh, I forget the title. It's got a one-word title for the film. I can't remember offhand what it's going to be. It is called uh, Blessed Virgin. Not a one-word title. <laughs> Blessed Virgin is going to be an adaptation of Julius C. Brown's novel Immodest Acts. This is going to be the the story of an abbess. Um, who, I think it was the 16th century, who claims to have received visions from God. Hmm only for it to be very quickly discovered that this is all nonsense, that she's in fact making it up and has been embarking on a series of affairs with the various other nuns. The, the neighbour from L has already been cast as this abbess. So <laughs> The neighbour from L or the neighbour from hell? The neighbour from L. Nice. By company L, they smell! <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've all heard the rap. But, uh, yeah, have you found, what is that film called, you know? It's not on his IMDb. No? I have to try and track it down some other means. That's annoying. Uh, Dwayne Johnson wants Patty Jenkins for John Walkers? Yes. Okay. I'll be fine with that. I like her. I think I'm one of the few people that are actually quite looking forward to Wonder Woman. Um, Do you know what? Looking forward is too strong. Is pa- I'm partially optimistic. Partially optimistic. That is fine. That yeah, is fine. Which may be the best that they're going to get out of me. That's fair enough. Um, what is this? Uh, He-Man? Talked about that? Yeah, uh, they've uh, lost McG. What a crying shame. No. I, know. I, will, I will never forget where I was when I heard the news. Yeah, I'll never forget. Yeah. So there were the Kennedy assassin and 9 uh, Kennedy assassin? Assassination and 9 11. Where were you? Sean Connery. Kennedy assassin. Did we talk about Crystal Robin? Uh, no, I was actually just about to bring it up. Please take it, for, take it, for, take it away, sir. Cool. So um, there's been a live action uh, Winnie the Pooh film. Uh, over in uh, development over at Disney for quite a while now. I didn't know this. Did you not? It's, no. it's been for like loads of different people. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Alex Ross Perry was going to be doing it at one point. I think he's he's done a version of the script. How far into the process did Guillermo del Toro get? Because uh, you know that had to be a thing. I'm assuming that he just he, he walked into Disney and was just like Winnie the Pooh monsters and then <laughs> and, I like, want, and I want Winnie to sick himself upon Christopher Robin. <laughs> and as I'd love is, to see that as he is gorging upon him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to see like Rabbit just like hold up his paws and it's got like two eyes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Rabbit, was it? Uh, Rabbit holds it, holds his paws up, and it's it's both halves of Kanga's face <laughs> on his paws. <laughs> oh man, I need to watch Pan's Labyrinth again. Uh, so good. Um, yeah. No, uh, this one, uh, yeah, it's uh, actually going to be called uh, Christopher Robin. Okay, and it's going to focus on an adult version of Christopher Robin, played by Ewan McGregor, 
which is I think that's going to make your wife happy in answer definitely in, in, in that's, that's about as good a casting I think you're, you're going to get I would have wanted uh, uh, Donald Gleeson but he's actually doing the but other he's one he's doing the other one he's doing the other he's, A.A. He's Milne movie um, uh, uh, which uh, yeah is really cool so the setup for this one he's going to be uh, a fully grown um, uh, adult man uh, and uh, Pooh comes to life and comes to him and it kind of sounds like a cross between Hook and like a PG version of Ted yeah, I, kind of, I got that impression yeah. as so well. So he's, he's like a disillusioned, grown man, and then his toy bear helps him be a better person. That's that's fair enough. Although, it just leaves me wanting a Ted three or 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 Teed. Teed. <laughs> Teed. Oh, can I show about a film that I am desperate to see, and I didn't know it was even in the works? Showgirls two. No, there is a Showgirls two. Showgirls three. <laughs> I say there is there is a director DVD Showgirls two. Is there actually? There actually is. Yeah, oh. um, I've never seen it. And I doubt it stars anyone with the... Uh, so it's kind of like The American Psycho 2. Kind of like that, with Mila, Mila Kunis, Kunis and yeah. Bill Shatner. Yeah. Yes. Um, but no, I, uh, I've i never seen that one. I, I really should, although I doubt it's got anyone in it with the uh, the acting chops of Miss Gina Gershon. So, um, <laughs> or, or Carl McLaughlin and that miraculous chin. I want to talk about a film called Pandemonium. Hmm. Are you aware of Pandemonium? I don't think so. I am dying to see Pandemonium. Pandemonium is going to be directed by the directors of Focus and Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, whose names are Glenn Ficara and John Requa, and this is going to be the biopic oh, of Vince right. McMahon. Yeah, I do know about this. I just didn't realise it had a title. I didn't realise that oh, was yeah, the, the title. I text you, didn't know when I found out. Hmm. He is huge. He's, yeah, right, I didn't realise how, just how broad he was. He is, he's massive. What's his shoulders? This, this needs to be J.K. Simmons. I think I think yeah. this is the reason why he's actually been training. Yeah, not, this is why he's been in the not gym. Not for yeah. uh, Batman. Get J.K. Simmons in there as Vince McMahon, and boy, are we talk- who plays Donald Trump? That's the only question, really. Mm. Who's playing Donald Trump? I mean, you could you could probably just get Donald Trump at this point. Well, uh, yeah. he yeah, he probably doesn't see anything wrong with it. Or you know, on the cheap, Alec Baldwin. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only downside to this that I can find is that it's being uh, written by <laughs> by the writer of Underdog, Craig A. Williams. Interesting choice. Yeah, nothing about that inspires confidence. Although, you know, at least the WWE is getting to see what was Sony for it. Yeah, what is that? Mm. But yeah, Vince McMahon, what an awesome idea for a movie. That is a great idea. Because of the number of stars <laughs> that he's made, you know, like Hulk Hogan, Batista, John Cena, The Rock... Mm. And you, could, you could even get people to come in and play themselves, or oh, get yeah. other people as them. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could get the dream, you know. Or you could get Mark Wahlberg to play John Cena, finally. That'd be oh, awesome. my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> even though John Cena looks like Mark Wahlberg, ain't Mark Wahlberg. Exactly, that's the line. We know it. I mean, how, how brilliant is that gag at the end of uh, Daddy's Home? Oh, it's great. He is going to be in the sequel as well, apparently. Oh, fantastic. He's going to return, yeah. Did you hear about that? Do we have a title for it no, that that must be shooting or shooting really soon. Because we said it's going to be out in no- it? it's even November or Christmas. It's like um, a Bad Mum's Christmas. That is coming out in November. That's not started. Well, hang on a minute. So Bad Mum's and Daddy's Home are out at the same time. Weird, that isn't it? Yeah, that is yeah. that is odd. Mm. But let's talk about it for a second. Actually, they've, they've said who the mums are going to be. But yes. the mums are the mums. Okay, so go on, lay them on me. Lay okay, them on so me. Uh, Christian Bell's mum going to play uh, by Shell Hines. Did, I thought you said Christian Bale then. Oh yeah, he's Christian Bale's mum. So I was like, wait, wait, hang on, what film did we mix up the film? You meant Christian? You said Christian Bell, didn't you? And I misheard you. No, I said uh, Christian Bale. He's actually going to be playing Christian Bell. 
Do you know what? If anyone could play Kristen Bell, it'd be him. Kristen Bale could <laughs> yeah. absolutely. It would go full method. He will be. Really he will be living with Dax Shepard for a year to get into <laughs> Dax Shepard suddenly wonders why his wife has been very cold. Yeah, it's been Christian Bale yeah. for three years. Yeah, Christian Bale is actually voicing uh, uh, in in the second Frozen film. Isn't it? That's <laughs> Anyway, off track. Yeah, uh, Shaw Hines from uh, uh, Curb Enthusiasm. Yep. She was playing there. I'm weirdly attracted to Shaw Hines. She's lovely. She's great. She's down. Yeah, uh, she's going to be in there. Uh, Christine Baranski is going to be Mila Kunis' mum. Okay, that is the weirdest one, I think, for me. But Yeah, I can't can't really see them being mother and daughter, but I'm fine with it because she is great. Didn't bad mums end with the cast and their actual mums? Yes. Okay, so go on. For me, for me, that was the best part of the whole film. Oh, yeah, it kind of was. Downright hated the film. Did you hate the film? I hated I it. I quite liked the I film. I hated it. Yeah, I liked it. I had a lot of issues with that film. Okay. Uh, Who else have um, we got then? Uh, the last Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn's one. Susan Sarandon. That's an oddball choice. I'm, again, fine with it. I like them all. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that works. And uh, Cherry on Top of the Cake. Mm-hmm. Peter Gallagher will be in there. Whose mum is Peter Gallagher? I don't know. Probably just some, some, like, some eyebrows. <laughs> Some eyebrows. <laughs> Peter, Gall- Peter Gallagher's not a mum. He's a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, but, have you ever seen BOC? Yeah, well, that, that's absolutely true. Although, uh, Sandy Cohen for the win, yo. But, he's he's uh, just my best person, isn't he? Oh, he's awesome in that, isn't he? I wish I was Sandy Cohen. I, I'm, I'm aware that you do. I am absolutely mm. aware you do. Well, when, when I was younger, obviously, as as I'm sure you can imagine, I was that was a little bit like, like Seth Cohen. I can I can picture that. Yeah. yeah. I can absolutely picture that, yeah. Um, did we talk last week about David Fincher? Uh, actually, I was just about to talk about I'm it. sorry, I'm jumping ahead right. of you constantly today. You, I, my apologies, you, sir. You leapfrog right over me, sir. Tell, I do. Tell me about David Flincher. David Flincher? Yeah, which is like... Well, apparently he's very skittish. That is a cross between David Lynch and David Fincher. <laughs> Flincher. <laughs> <laughs> he makes Twin Peaks, but it's edited really quickly. <laughs> His Twin Peaks has twice the action. You want to know what the hell's going on, but it looks amazing. <laughs> Trent Reznor does amazing work on the score. <laughs> Where does Brad Pitt fit in? You'll find out. Anyway, uh, yeah, David Finch is going to do World War Z 2. Yeah, that is looking more and more official. That, that is, apparently, and it's all down to Brad Pitt being his mate, apparently. So. Yeah, which is, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair enough. It's, it sounds like Brad Pitt really loved the source material, and even though the first one was actually fairly good, and uh, it was, it was well received. It was uh, good in spite of itself, wasn't it? it I was, know it was a very, it was a weird one, wasn't it? We all expected it to be absolutely yeah, awful because it had a really troubled history, like yeah. in terms of the production and stuff. They shut and, it down uh, halfway through and redo half of it. Yes. Wow. And I think someone was brought in to like oversee the reshoots as well. Is it Mark Mark Foster Mark, or Mark Foster or oh fellow's name? I don't know. Foster Foster. I forget. To well, uh, J. A. Biona was supposed to be doing the sequel, and then he dropped out to go and do uh, Jurassic World Two. Jurassic Cannot blame him. No, no. Can't who could blame him? him? No, no. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if, if you can't get him, Dave Fincher is pretty good. Yeah, shoot. yeah. Dave Fincher as a, as, a, as a last resort. That's a pretty good one to have. It's mad, isn't it? Speaking of Jurassic World, by the way, they have revealed who James Cromwell is playing. Yeah, who about this? John Hammond, yeah. the late John Hammond's partner at Ingen. Yeah, when I first heard this, I wasn't entirely sure because I don't really like it when 
they do things like this. So it's when it's like a long delayed sequel mm-hmm. and they like retcon things from the past and say, oh, this is a person that was important 20 years ago, but we've never heard of him. Well, I think the idea is that he's not, he wasn't part of InGen when the park happened. Oh, right. Okay. That he was a former partner, yeah. I think is the implication. Like he's the well, no, I, I am I am completely on board with it mm. now, yeah. So how we could tie into the plot, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out. Uh, maybe he has a piece of the puzzle. We shall see. And he's he's an amazing actor, isn't he? Yeah, I like James Cromwell. Yeah. I didn't didn't so much like him in, when he was in 24, but, you know. I just didn't watch 24. That's how I avoided that. Oh, well, uh, there is that. He was in the second season of The Detour recently. And, oh, really? Uh, he, he's, he's the new main character in the de- second season of The Detour, and he hmm. is fantastic who, in it. Who does he play in that? I can't say. For spoiler reasons. For spoiler reasons, because you will watch it and you will love it. I love that show. I love Natalie Zia in that show. She's astonishingly fun. Yeah, I don't think uh, enough people are talking about that show. I feel like it's... Uh, I'm surprised it got a second season. Does it even honest. air in this country? I, I don't so. know. I, I mean, so. uh, Jason Jones is brilliant in it. Is it on uh, uh, TBS? It's on America? TBS in yeah. the US, but Jason Jones, <laughs> Samantha his, his wife, great. His wife, uh, Samantha B is on uh, TBS as well. Yeah, they, she, they, yeah, they signed a deal together, apparently, because they both produce each other's <clears> shows. Oh really? I yeah, don't, she's I don't know a producer on the Detour, and he's a producer on Full Frontal with Samantha B. Which is such an amazing show. Yeah, which is really good. Um, did you see that they did uh, a White House correspondence? I did. I've yeah. not seen Hassan Minaj's one from the actual correspondence dinner yet. Apparently, it did not go down well. But I don't know if that's his fault. I heard one of his gags on like <clears> a Facebook video, which I thought was absolutely amazing, <clears> in <throat> which he said, um, "Our dear leader was unable to make it tonight, and that's because he lives in Russia." <laughs> yeah, I which I thought was absolutely amazing. Yeah, apparently uh, the crowd was just a lot of like groans and I don't know why. Really, you just had like a really thankless job to do. I think it's not all going to be like Stephen Colbert and George W. Is it? No. That, oh, that's a great one. That was or, a good one. Or uh, Seth Meyers. Seth, who did, who did Seth Meyers? Seth Meyers did uh, Barack Obama's from maybe three years ago, three or four years ago. I remember that but, one. It was around the time when a lot of uh, Donald Trump's accusations about Barack Obama were coming out, and it was the whole, uh, it, it was the birth of the birther. Oh, the birther theories, and uh, yeah, most of uh, Seth Meyers' monologue was just directed at Donald Trump, and <laughs> everyone was laughing at Donald Trump, and a lot of people are thinking that was the moment when it went off in Donald Trump's head. <laughs> Nobody's to laughing now. Yeah. But it was it was great, and it was probably it was around the time when I started to really like Seth Meyers. Speaking of nobody laughing, have you seen Adam Sandler's got a new film on Netflix? Sandy Wexler. Uh, I've not watched it, but I've seen that it's on there. Uh, I, I've, I've not watched I, it either. I don't, I don't know how to get it off my Netflix. Yeah, they should yeah. have like a, a plugin that removes Adam Sandler from Netflix. I Considering mean, how much they've spent on it, I don't think we're going to. Can bring it out anytime soon. <laughs> Did you know that Baby Boy is getting a sequel? Is this the Tyrese film? The Tyrese John Singleton movie, in which yeah. it was like Tyrese versus Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even I, I, ne- I never saw it, actually. Well, his, do, you know, do you know I guess who played his girlfriend in that? Bear in mind that Tyrese was an unknown at the time. Do you know who played his girlfriend in that movie? Okay. No. And also, then unknown to Raji P. Henson. Yeah. Cookie. Cookie, I thought you'd like that. You do like yeah. a bit of Taraji, don't you? I do. She's great. But there is something lovable about Taraji P. Henson. I can't describe it, even when she's playing an evil chick. She, there's something just lovable mm. about her. But Have you uh, watched Empire yet? I have not watched Empire yet. I just oh. finished my rewatch of Nikita yesterday. So, you know, I will I will pick up a new yeah. series now. And since there isn't much of Empire, I will watch Empire. It's only two seasons long so far. It is so trashy. And just so much fun. Is it a 22-episode season, or is it a 10-episode season? I don't think it's 22. I don't think the first one was, anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give it a watch, then. 
But uh, I, I, I like a bit of uh, Terence Howard. I, I, I'm unapologetically <laughs> a Terence Howard fan. I was I was dismayed so when Rhodey was replaced. Say something you and Marvel do not share in common. <laughs> exactly. Well, apparently, he was a d- to work with. Yeah. But, it was something uh, to do with the whole money situation with him and uh, Jerry, Yeah, he was the first actor signed to uh, the Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. Mm. Um, and he got a ludicrous amount of money as a result, I think, because they didn't know what they were going to pay people back mm. then. And the story goes that when he went to make the second one, he expected a similar amount of money, which is reasonable enough. And they wanted to lower it. Marvel are famously quite a cheap company when it comes to paying their actors. Didn't they pay Mickey Rourke 500 grand for Iron Man 2? Something like that. Something like that. But, uh, yeah, if you're not RDJ, you ain't getting s***. That's how it works. I mean, to be fair, you only get so much now because of the deals that he worked out in terms of, like, being in, like, an EP and... Well, I mean, you know, he only keeps doing... If he's going to keep doing Marvel movies, that's presumably only for, you know, the keys to Kevin Feige's beach house. Um, (laughs) The one in Malibu, like the one from... The the Malibu beach house that happens to look an awful lot like Stark Mansion. And, uh, you know, unfettered access to the Disney archives. (laughs) (laughs) I saw um, a thing the other day of Dwayne Johnson was just allowed into the Disney archives uh, because of Jungle I mean, Cruise. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, because of Jungle Cruise. He was I saw allowed that. Into, yeah, yeah like the original uh, storyboards, I think, for the ride from like the 50s That's and so 60s. Cool. That is, I really want that. Did you see Johnny Depp popped up on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride? I in did, costume? yeah. I mean, he's done something similar before. He went as uh, the Mad Hatter and he was just around yeah, Disney fair World. Enough, fair enough, fair enough. Just being mad out, but yeah, people actually looked pretty excited to see him. Yeah, the thing with Johnny Depp as, as Captain Jack has always amused me. Is you know how it's it's the character is kind of a sex symbol, allegedly. Allegedly. Well, the weird thing for me is that's a character who's a sex symbol without any semblance of reality applied. Like that character is only a sex symbol if you don't take into account the fact that he doesn't own a toothbrush and solely drinks rum. So <laughs> his breath must shear sheep. You know what I mean? He pro- he he definitely has scurvy. If he doesn't have syphilis, then he just outright has gonorrhea. Um, you know what I mean? He that that that, that thing is a walking death machine. Mm. And I am referring to Johnny Depp's junk at this point. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Jack's junk is a death machine. Captain oh, Jack is basically a walking CDC nightmare. What death machine? Captain Jack Sparrow's junk. Captain Jack Sparrow's junk. Yeah, that, that would be quite a good. Uh, I feel like it's death metal with some some folky lint, uh, a folky lilt to it. Folky lilt. Folky lilt. Yeah, that's uh, actually that's the only soft drink I drink. Folky lilt. <laughs> folky lilt. Yeah, it's like lilt, but it makes you think of your dad. Yeah, it's like lilt, but it's like a, it's like a hint of elderflower. <laughs> it's lilt, but it can only be drunk in the English countryside. <laughs> Oh man, you got any more news? I've, I've got nothing else. Got nothing <laughs> right, go on, lead us out then. Uh, here it is, your moment of cage. Listen, I think we got started off on the wrong foot. Stand good, speed FBI. Uh, let's talk music. Do you like the Elton John song Rocket Man? I don't like soft ass. Oh, you don't? Well, I only bring it up because uh, it's you. You're the Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs>